Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast, the extra podcast, episode number 231. My name is Paul, and with me here I have Andy. It's good to be here. Your voice is very pleasing. Well, thank you, Andy. It's a sultry baritone. Yeah, it's got a Barry Manilow feel to it. Barry Manilow? I was, yeah. Barry, I was open Barry White. There you go. No, there you go. Barry Manilow? Look at where... Are you serious? No, you know. Do what? you really think he's got a Barry Manilow? For you? I, I, no, Barry Manilow's more Copa, tenor. Copa Cabana. No way, man! You just threw down a Barry Manilow reference. I did. Yeah, it's awesome. Name other. Name another Barry Manilow song. I, I didn't even name one, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> you actually just <laughs> said Copa Cabana. Yeah. That, that is that is a classic though. Oh, yeah. 1970s. Ezra, do you know Barry Manilow? I have no idea what? who this man is. Okay, Barry Manilow needs he to be. He didn't come to Kenya. Just <laughs> no. Saying. I didn't think no. he was. And you didn't play his music. He wasn't there. a big hit in Kenya. He wasn't a big hit. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yes, and those are the voices of Jeff yeah. and Ezra. Great to have you guys here again. Good to be here. So uh, we want to give a special shout out to Ember's Barbecue. Oh yes. Oh, do we? From last week, they uh, they pulled came pork. in. They did. They came in and gave us pulled pork sandwiches, and we we are not above being bought. That's what you're we, fed in heaven, we, right there, boys. We want you to know that Ember's and Mission still remains champion. Still king, Absolutely. king of the restaurants. The fries were delicious. Oh, yep, it was excellent. So what I would tell people, the listeners, is, you know, you could come and visit me in our campus admission, and then you can just, on your, on your way there, you can stop at stop Ambers, Ambers, you can grab me something, and yourself something, and then you can come to the campus, and I'll be happy to show you around <laughs> yeah. as we enjoy. Those are meetings that Ezra will definitely take. Oh, I will take you, those meetings any day. You can give him all your opinions mm-hmm. as long as you bring Ambers pulled pork and pulled some pork French crap. fries. Ambers yeah. is one of the real crap. gems of it mission. <clears throat> There's no question about it. Totally. Totally. And he should open one in Abbotsford, I think. Absolutely. No, let's keep it in mission so that people can come and visit me and oh, bring me some. got something there. There you go. There are other barbecue places around. Mm-hmm. Members makes barbecue uh, everything. Yeah. But they, uh, there's other barbecue places like around. Memphis Blues? Yeah. Is that that the, Memphis Blues and others that actually expand and they're just not as good as Ember's. I'm not saying mm-hmm. Memphis Blues isn't good. It's, a good, it's a good. it's a good restaurant. It's just Ember's is... I've been someplace. I've been to Texas and I've been... I've been to Kansas City, and I've been mm-hmm. to places that are famous for their barbecue, and Ember's is right up there with them. Oh, no kidding. Good stuff. Anyway, Thank that's, nice. our, that's our vote so of that, confidence. Perfect. Yes, Ember's fantastic. The Thank only you thing so missing, much. The only thing missing from Ember's is uh, bacon-wrapped sausages <laughs> that the Mennonite girls can cook can make. Absolutely. Amen. Oh, now those, those are... So, yeah, but, and those but, cinnamon buns, too. But the World Health Organization said bacon is not good for you. So there. Right. You know what? They don't know what they're talking about, Ezra. Okay. All right. Yeah. Says, what do they know? Said Andy. <laughs> well, currently, everything causes cancer, P.S. I mean, does I, can you drink water? It's ridiculous. Uh, probably not. Bacon. Not from a plastic bottle. <laughs> it's unbelievable. You know, when they came out with that, every guy that I know was immediately, their heart sank. When they said bacon oh, causes yeah. some sort of can't, oh, you're like, oh no. Oh, by the way, I was in. I knew it. California. It's too good the other to be day. true. Mm-hmm. I'm coming into a hotel, and there's a sign on the hotel that says that the state of California has deemed that this place causes cancer. What? What place is that? Yeah, Stockton. Because I'm going to say Stockton. <laughs> Actually, God, Stockton is a I, cancer. 
I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Staying at this hotel. So here's the deal. If a building, this is my guess, if a building used to allow smoking. Really? And now has stopped, they have to deem that that building now causes cancer. Or maybe they have asbestos uh, in the insulation. It's always There was some stuff raining down. Is that always encouraging when you show up? There's a big (laughs) sign on the wall. (laughs) This building causes cancer. Why is this place so cheap? (laughs) (laughs) Staying here will kill you. Oh, thank you, you California. All right. Oh. But speaking of things um, such as good food, here's the question. Question number one. Mm-hmm. Is gluttony a sin? Yes. Okay. And where does it talk about that in the Bible? Well, first of all, couldn't we, just, couldn't we say that this is more than just, I think we often think food, but by gluttony, we're just talking about straight up hoarding, aren't we? Yeah, a lot of the places that you're going to talk about hoarding would have to do with material wealth and things like that. Uh, yeah, depends on how you define gluttony. You should have given me this one ahead of time. I wouldn't have been well, able to find Well, Ecclesiastes chapter of... 5 talks about hoarding mm-hmm. and that it'll, it'll harm you. So, so, so if gluttony is a sin, when we are offering sweet treats at our coffee, uh, a coffee station at the info desk, sure. that kind of a thing, are we... Tempting people <laughs> to gluttony, I guess. Yeah, I, I would say no. I don't think that offering sweet treats and being hospitable in a culture like ours with some sort of sweet thing is actually makes me guilty of 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 gluttoning, gluttony. I do think that it's possible for you to abuse anything: food, Absolutely. sex, uh, laughter, TV. Sports. I mean, you you pick whatever you like. Video church. games, church. I mean, whatever you can you can abuse anything. You can end up taking that thing and making your making it a god. The thing about gluttony that I mean, I'm my mind's sort of racing a little bit to to locate some stuff in the scriptures. But one one passage that I do I do think about is uh, when when the manna was being provided for the people in the desert. Um, there, there was a law that was given at that point. I want to think, it's, am I right? Exodus 16 or something like that there? Anyway, I, there's a law that was given saying, just, just take what you need, you and your family need. This, this actually becomes a principle throughout most of the Bible. It's really the viewpoint of the, uh, of the Bible on, on stuff, on wealth and, and possessions mm-hmm. and food and... Take what you need and leave the rest for others. Mm. There are two. Uh, there are three passages um, that directly speak to gluttony. Proverbs twenty-three, verse twenty to twenty-one: Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor. Or Proverbs twenty-eight, seven: He who keeps the law is a discerning son, but a companion of gluttons disgraces his father. Mm. Or you'd find uh, Proverbs 23, 2, put a knife to your throat if you're given to gluttony. So do you think that gluttony is a problem for people in the West? Absolutely. Yes, yeah, I do too. I don't think we talk about it very much, to be honest. I do think, I think we talk about material gluttony in the sense of the wealth gluttony, we over, over, mm-hmm. going overboard with that. I don't think we talk about it in relation to food and some other things. Mm-hmm. We do in sex, but food seems to be off the table, probably because we all like to eat so much. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I would think that it the, the, the principle is take what you need. I think, mm-hmm. that, yeah, the issue is just the, the self-control deal, right. where you cannot control yourself in the sense that you eat way more than you need. 
And this is a, this is the message that Christ continually speaks, and that is this idea of balance. Mm-hmm. That we're we're constantly in a balancing act as a Christian. Mm. That we're not we're not sw- you know pendulum swinging to one extreme to the next. Yeah. So we would reject what we call asceticism, meaning the the idea that you you would starve yourself or or put yourself in a in a in a continual uh, act of removal of of comfort or things like that mm-hmm. as, a, as an act of worship to God. I mean, you hear what I said there, continual. I do, I do think there are times of fasting and things like that that, mm-hmm. that are appropriate, but, but the, this continual like belief that if you, the only way to really live a, a holy life is to, is, is to be a monk. So right. you go off and you live a simple life where there's nothing. By the way, you can do that. There's nothing wrong with that, but we would reject as a rule asceticism. But on the flip side, we would reject as a rule gluttony, the idea that you should gorge yourself on the things of this world, which of course in our culture, Andy, the reason I think we do that is because we're so existential. Like there's no heaven, there's no hell, there's no future. <clears throat> so you've got to really make the most of it right now. And Get what you can while is, you can. Good food is one of those now, things. Here's the thing, though, that I find a lot of Christians really don't understand, and that is that God created pleasure. Pleasure is good. It's the abuse of pleasure that's the problem. Like, so eating is good. And Now, my wife, I mean, she, she actually enjoys eating. Now, for me... I, I eat more for sustenance than I do for... Do you tell her that from time to time? You sure, you sure like to eat. <laughs> <laughs> well, my wife is actually a menno girl, and she loves to cook. She absolutely loves to cook. But, I mean, she enjoys food. Like, food is pleasurable, and that's yeah. not a bad thing. And, you know, the, the problem is, is when we abuse the pleasures and that God has given us these good things and we turn them into a bad thing. Right, there are boundaries that we want to put around it. Like like I said, just take take enough, have enough. It's the whole the whole uh, restaurant business in the United States seems to ignore this. Like enough is all not, you can eat. Like it's ridiculous. Oh, think, even the sizes of the portions down right. there. After living I've been living in the states for about 16 or 17 years and Andy is an expat too and mm-hmm. I just I, I I even I go down there now and it's difficult to go for for a conference or something in the U.S. because you you have whenever to I eat, go to Olive Garden, buddy, you have to eat out. I, I can't not overeat <laughs> and at you, the Olive Garden. You have to eat out, and you're and you're there, and you're and you, so you go to the restaurant, and and they'll say it's five, it's, it's six bucks, right? Here's a burger and fries for six bucks, and then what comes on your plate is the whole cow. There's a cow <laughs> and like a potato field on your plate. <laughs> Just, uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Last, so, t- last time I was down there, they had the endless pasta, man. I'm just like, did you ever go? I to, just can't stop. Do you, have you guys ever heard of Golden Corral? Yeah, that, that place is awful. <laughs> yeah, well, it's awful. The, the Golden f- Corral is a is an all you can eat yes. like, uh, and it's, like like and it's terrible. Breakfast all day though, don't they? They have stuff uh, there. No, no. Yeah, it doesn't no. taste good. No. Yeah, it, it looks great. Like no. it, in their thing, they have like all their steak and their potatoes and and whatever in their buffet that they keep refilling. But you go and like, oh, it looks pretty good. And you take it back to your table, and there's like, where's there? Is there's no flavor in this at all? No. Like, well, it was all made. This, this it was meat? made in the same bowl with the same ingredients. Meat? Yeah, yeah, just different, that, different coloring. Doesn't that totally. bring up a, an important point, though? I mean, it's fascinating to me how we will spend a certain amount of money on different things, but when it comes to what's going into my body, mm. you know, cheaper the better. Right. Well, uh, I can get more, especially if I get yeah. a lot for cheaper. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah, so this kind of brings up uh, another part of the, the 
the, the question? question that was here, which was, mm -hmm. um, you know, God's made us, he's made us uh, um, physical, spiritual, uh, emotional beings, and therefore health-wise, we should work to be healthy in all ways, shouldn't we? Yeah. We absolutely, absolutely. should. We absolutely should. I, I want to be careful, though, because whenever you get into this sort of area, we want to, we want to decry gluttony, mm -hmm. and, and, but, but it's very difficult to quantify that. So when I say I get concerned, it's that, that we can tend to become legalists even about things like food. We can end up saying, well, you know what? The, a truly spiritual person is somebody who cares about their body. That means that people who exercise X amount are more spiritual. That means that people who don't eat you know, trans, trans fats are more spiritual. That means that, do you see what I'm saying here? So, like, we, quant we totally. actually quantify what what it looks like and i this is where i just want to reject it we ha we have freedoms I, I you know you can eat andy brother you can eat that twinkie it's okay and i will but and you can drink that coke zero yeah, totally you can <laughs> but there are those around who will want to who, who will want to there's actually a guy who came to our church a while ago and he actually he was, he was new here and uh he i think he was traveling through and he wanted to talk to me he was just really agitated wanted to talk to me and so i, I I was chatting with him in the foyer, and I had a Coke. I think he had a Diet Pepsi in my hand, and he was telling me about how he runs this company that 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 uh, has all sorts of that does all sorts of work with, uh, you know, trying to help people eat better and do these things. And he connected that eating better with with like spirituality and stuff. And he says, you know, people put poisons in their bodies, like aspartame all the time. He's saying this while I got this thing in my hand. <laughs> and so the moment he said aspartame, I took this massive swig. Of the Diet Pepsi and smiled, <laughs> and You're he did. Well, then the conversation sort of wilted. Right? <laughs> like it became there. weird. But the reason I did it's that like is when you're mocking a Ford and realize they but, drive a Ford. But the reason I did that is because because that's not true. I mean, when I say not true, maybe aspartame is bad for you. Maybe it isn't. Whatever. But that doesn't mean because I'm drinking a Diet Pepsi that I'm a less spiritual person than you. That's a freedom, right. that, the freedom that I have. Mm -hmm. We just love to quantify stuff like this. Right. So let's stick with the principle. And say gluttony is yeah. bad, but yeah. going to Golden Corral is not going to... It's not a sin to go to Golden Corral. It's would a sin, it, to, be, it's sure. sin to be gluttonous is it, Isn't there. that something that like, in the past... Well, even still, you have people in the church that when we look at smoking... Yeah, smoking. Like, no, you, if if you're smoking, you can't be Christian. Mm. We still have people that think that way. Do you know the one I don't think we talk enough about? Uh, I had friends of mine that their marriage was ruined over hoarding. Mm. The church talks very little about hoarding, and I, and I find we, that in the West, that's something that a lot of people deal with. Could we? Could we say then? Could we say then? I think the issue, the issue is. <laughs> I'm looking issue. at you like what? Really, dude? I have a friend who's a fireman. He would tell you that the 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 number of homes that he goes into that people are hoarding is through the roof. Dude, Ezra's yes. like that. You've been to Ezra's house, <laughs> but don't we speak? <laughs> he's got no, stacks. Of, he's got that? stacks of magazines the from newspapers, old newspapers. Do you remember those? Just in case I need to see them. That's right. <laughs> um, no, uh, my my mm, the point I wanted to make is, I think maybe the issue is greed. Where anything in excess is not a good thing. Right. Would you agree? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
And yet there's that balance that Andy's trying to get at that I think is appropriate to say that, but God created pleasure and he wants us to enjoy ourselves with the things that he's made. Mm -hmm. So the temptation among Christians is to fall off one side or the other here is to say that, Mm -hmm. no, no, I'm not going to, again, become ascetic. I'm going to become a monk, live simply and not actually enjoy anything that, that God in his gracious providence has provided for us Mm -hmm. to enjoy like bacon wrapped sausage Mm. Or mm. to go the other way and say, bacon-wrapped sausage, I will eat it every moment. For, you know, like we just become gluttons about it. Golden Corral, all you can eat, all I can eat. And stuff in my duffel bag to take right, home. totally. So, again, it's the same principle. Take enough, have enough, yeah, and leave the rest. Yep, right. So on to the next email that came in. Um, We've got somebody who had a number of questions, but uh, there's one big one that he had on here is this. Um, how can we use the Bible to claim to know God when we see so many laws and actions that we ignore, particularly in the Old Testament? Okay. Like I don't understand that question. Too. I don't understand the question. Okay, so uh, if we look in the Old Testament, we look in uh, Leviticus, we look at laws such as stoning somebody if they're uh, found in o- adultery, mm-hmm. or we look at, um, I mean, we look at through Leviticus, and there's, there's dozens and hundreds of laws that we, can, that we don't follow now. Mm-hmm. So um, the question is, why do we not follow them uh, if following them is supposed to lead us towards knowing God, if that's what they're for? Yeah, there's an assumption being made there that the Old Testament law is still, and the Mosaic law in particular, is still in effect for Christians today, that I don't actually hold that view. Mm-hmm. I think that Christ fulfilled that. And so, as a result, we follow Christ and the law of Christ. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, this is a very common misunderstanding about the Bible, that, mm-hmm. and I would say it reads the Bible as flat and doesn't recognize what we call canonical context or the fact that God has operated in different times through different um, administrations, if that helps you at all. The idea Mm -hmm. that God actually, there was a time in Israel's history where God was acting as Israel's king in a theocratic state. Like, Mm -hmm. God is the king. Today, God does not do that. He doesn't identify with a single state. He identifies with a church where he is spiritually present. So there's a shift that's taken place between the old and mm-hmm. the new in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christ has fulfilled the old co- the, the covenant. I mean, Romans 8, this is what the passage mm-hmm. is about. So, so the question then, what is the enduring nature of the old covenant law? That's a big question that we could talk about for a long, long time, but I want to, I want to dismiss the simplistic reading saying, well, we, we don't stone people who do this and that, so... Why do we hold to any other viewpoints of the Bible? So, in other words, the Bible's moral lines can be completely dismissed because they're kept inconsistently. Well, that's just, it's a, na- it's a naive and simplistic way to read the Bible, is mm. my response. Mm-hmm. Well, when we look at the New Testament, we can see specific things, particularly even in Acts, when we see the, uh, the Jerusalem Council and what the Gentiles still need to follow. Mm-hmm. Right. We even see how Jesus boil down everything to simply love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself in Mark chapter 12. Right. And when, when I say that Christ has fulfilled these things, for example, we don't, in the Old Covenant, you're told also, you go read Leviticus, you have all sorts of rules uh, for the kinds of sacrifices you ought to bring. Now, I'm going to say that you can learn an awful lot about the nature of God 
his holiness, his character by the kinds of things that he mm-hmm. that he requires. Those things are all and those are enduring principles without a doubt. But I don't need to go to a I don't I don't need to go to a temple somewhere in Jerusalem and offer a, you know a dove for for a peace offering. I don't need to do that because Christ has become that. All of that stuff was pointing to Jesus who became mm-hmm. that offering for us. So in a myriad of ways, the Jesus becomes the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. And we are now, according, I mean, Romans 8, the language there is that we, don't, we serve under the newness of the spirit, not the oldness of the letter. We, uh, the, we, we, right? That's the language, that the, we walk by the spirit, not by the, the written code, uh, which is the, the Mosaic law. I was listening to Dr. John Walton, who is um, an Old Testament scholar, and he uh, was teaching a class, and one of the things he said was regarding the Old Testament and its law in particular. Um, so the nation of Israel had just uh, left uh, Egypt, were wandering in the wilderness. Moses was their, was their leader. And so Moses begins to introduce Yahweh to the nation of Israel. And so it's, it's like, okay, now these people don't know. They don't know how to... Um, live in the presence of God yet, because God is holy, they are not. And so Moses begins, God, through Moses, begins to outline to these people, this is how you live with my presence. This is how you will worship me. This is how I'm distinctly different from the other gods that you worshipped in Egypt or other gods of the places that <laughs> that uh, you <laughs> other gods of the places that you'll find where you're going, Jeff, stop it. So at the end of the day, this is God revealing uh, himself to the nation of Israel. This is how you live within my presence. Mm -hmm. It's uh, the example that he gave, uh, Dr. Walton, that he gave was, think of electricity. Electricity is good. Um, You use it to light your house, to, to cook your food, to heat your room, and all those things. But you also have to know how to handle electricity. If you don't follow the rules and principles laid, then it can kill you. Don't you the think, same too, thing that yeah. some of these the laws were also to just make the people of Israel distinct from other nations? Like, I've always, I've always appreciated that distinction between God's moral law and God's ceremonial law. Yeah, but, uh, but it, was, it was not necessarily like to make the people of Israel distinct. It was more to show how Yahweh is different mm-hmm. from all the other gods that are being worshipped in the ancient world. So this is how different he what is. What you're getting at is that the law was given particular for a particular purpose at a particular time. Exactly. Yeah, and it reveals the character of God in a, in a transcultural way in that mm-hmm. regard. But mm-hmm. the actual keeping of the Mosaic law is a different matter. Correct. Meaning that Christ fulfilled it, and so we serve, in the, yes. again, in the newness of but, the Spirit. Yes. How would we how would we understand though something like not to mix fibers, right? But how, how would you apply that though? I think to Ezra, that kind of what Ezra is trying to get at is that this is what it looks like to live, and there's some of the things had to do with health in that particular time, mm-hmm. sure, right? Like and, with pork or something like that, mm-hmm. right? But but again, it, it gets just gets down to the question of whether or not the Mosaic Law has enduring effect. Now, here's the funny thing: this the where this issue has become a massive. I mean, it's become a massive issue. Is about the homosexuality debate, right? Mm-hmm. Those yep. in the gay affirming camp will say, "Look, um, look, the Bible is in the same chapters where it condemns homosexuality. Leviticus yes. twenty, for example, mm-hmm. right near there 
it, you'll get the condemnation for wearing two different kinds of fabric, which all of us are doing. Mm-hmm. So the Bible, so, so this is proof that the Bible can't be trusted on what it says morally. That that in other words, you have both of those commandments are dated, horribly, horribly dated. Now here here's the challenge though you're going to have if you're going to go that direction. Um, the New Testament, Paul in First Corinthians chapter six actually draws on the language of Leviticus chapter twenty, and so he is making an explicit connection to that part of the Mosaic law and r- endorsing it as part of the law of Christ. Okay, whereas you don't get those explicit statements regarding uh, re- regarding what you what you wear or what you eat. In fact, you get the opposite. You get or how you Peter. Keep your hair. Peter's, you know, having a dream where on the sheet, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. he can eat everything. Mm-hmm. This is like, he's like, no, Lord, I can't. I'm a Jew. And God says, take, take up and eat. So there is a shift that takes place where some of these things are reaffirmed in the New Testament and other things are not. So, so if you came to me and said, well, why, why on earth would you read Leviticus 20? And my answer is because Paul did. Because Paul endorsed it as part of what it means to be a, a faithful Christian in this age. So I, I would reject the viewpoints of the gay affirming camp, and I think that the way they're reading the Bible is overly simplistic and not on the Bible's terms. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, uh, I think all of us are in agreement, right? That's good news. Yeah, yep. that is good news. Thank you. Uh, so staying in the Old Testament, how about this? If we go back into Genesis... And we go back to the flood. What was the extent of the flood? Was it literally worldwide, or was this a localized event? Andy, what do you got, buddy? Apologetics man. Bring it. <coughs> you know what is interesting? So first of all, where would I go on that? Uh, this will be an interesting one. I, I personally hold to a local flood. So do I. <laughs> Yeah, it, and I, I'm curious why you do, but for me personally, I I do because I'm not requ- I don't think I'm required to view a global flood if, by the by the texts that are cited to point this out. I think that the, exactly the way that I've the scriptures to. are under should be understood is according to the author's intent. And the author, in those days, used language like the whole world in ways to state the whole known world. And you have to ask how is how are they using the world the word world. So the, the, the whole world. The challenge, of course, that's brought back, and it's a good challenge, is okay. But if this is a if this is a judgment on the world, uh, on the sin of the world, uh, where God is going to wipe everything clean, should He would need to wipe everything clean. So listen, I am in no way suggesting that the there wouldn't be or could. It's not possible that God did a global right. flood. I am just saying that I don't think a global flood is required by the language of those particular texts. So I, I tend to side, right now, scientifically, we have the evidence that we have actually points to Great lo- evidence. Lo- local flood. Um, and that's, that's fine, right around the, the period that this happened. But again, I'm, you know what, I, I, I'd be happy to be persuaded. Paul, I think you would want to persuade me for a, lo- a global one. Wouldn't you? You'd have, hold more of that view, wouldn't you? Uh, yes, yeah. I do. Yeah, when well, when I've when I've heard people talk about it, I haven't I haven't studied enough into whether it was glo- uh, global or local personally. But when I look at or when I've heard of evidence that people use to defend it, they'll they'll talk about something like the Grand Canyon mm. and how uh, people will people will say it. Oh, it was caused by a slow going Colorado River mm. going through over time. But but the problem is that the elevation of the Grand Canyon in the middle is higher. So they're like, it wouldn't have run 
the mm. defense against that is that it wouldn't have run that way. But if you have a fast moving water, like a receding flood, mm-hmm. for instance, going over that type of earth, that type of sediment, whatever it is, uh, these kind of formations can happen. And sometimes people have shown pictures from their own backyard where they, they wash you know, something's right. happened and well, they look, they, oh, look, it looks like a mini Grand Canyon. that have flash floods, there's yeah. no question that they, they look like mini Grand Canyons. Right. So, no so their defense it. of a global flood would say that something like the Grand Canyon was caused by a massive flood in a very short period of time rather than uh, or, ages or, of or, one river. Or both and. Right. I mean, the river, yeah. the river clearly does, does do so. Colorado River clearly has both and, eroded yeah. Yeah. some port parts of the, of the canyon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, this is part of the but problem. How, but is does this, that have to do with the scriptures, though? But that's my... I, exactly. I wanted to make a distinction mm-hmm. between what's required by scripture and what is, what, what is scientific. I am not an expert in the science of it. Mm-hmm. And people can... That's usually where this debate goes. And, have, you know, go nuts. It's great. Mm-hmm. I do think, though, that I don't think the language of the Scripture requires it. Now, theologically, I think we'd have to have some discussions as how we understood that. What would a local flood mean for what the judgment was on the earth? Yes. How, how should that be understood? Yes. Those are all legitimate questions. But and again, I don't think the language of the Scripture needs to be... Requires a well, global... Well, I, I think that the way that they use the language... Paul, Paul for example, will say uh, all sorts of things about the whole world mm-hmm. uh, that he believes to be... Fulfill the gospel has gone forth to the whole world, he'll say in Colossians. So, I, I mean, so he's using that language in more hyperbolic type of ways, which is very common in those days, and, mm-hmm. and we use that language all the time. We do, too. But don't so, you agree that they saw the Mediterranean area? Like, that's, that's their, that was what they referred to Yeah, well, the they, didn't, they weren't overly aware or cared that much about the things that were outside of that particular region. So, yeah, I mean, according to... My point is, I don't think you need to load the author with knowledge of, you know, 21st century geography. And I also order. don't think that this is no. a faith question. Like, a lot of people, I think, will think, oh, well, Andy just apparently doesn't have enough faith to think that God could do, you know, I think you do. flood the whole world. And it's like, no, 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 I do. I think yeah. God could flood the whole world. I believe that God created the whole world. Mm-hmm. You know, this, to me, this isn't a faith question. Right. Mm-hmm. I can believe God can do it. I want to know what the Bible's saying. What though. it requires. What does it require? Yeah, and where does it remain silent? And that's kind of my thing here is that, is that uh, it could, you know, the, the-, the theology is where I think the debate could be had regarding what does it mean for there just to be a local flood uh, theologically. But I could be convinced. Sure. Global. You, if you want to convince us. Convince me. Where you go. Okay. And uh, next time I go to the Grand Canyon, I'm going to be I'll convinced. be thinking about Paul. I'm going to be going, yeah. Ezra, have you been to the Grand Canyon? I don't think so. What? You need I to don't go. Think so. yeah, I have been. I I, no, 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 no. Have you guys seen the Rift Valley? No. Okay, Why would I want to go somewhere like that? <laughs> The Rift Valley is just as beautiful well, and as grand. Well, you, you have as been. The I would Can't. love to go to the. Did full? Did you see the wildebeest? Was there? Was there a lot of wildebeest? There? Oh man, and lions and zebras. Dude, was Simba and there? Giraffes, <laughs> and Simba was there. In fact, that's where Simba was Disney born. Disney soundtrack. Mufasa, by the Mufasa way. die there? Mufasa <laughs> died there. They got it on speakers. <laughs> they got it on speakers. Isn't it <laughs> awful? It's just awful that that that's. The that's all I know about the Rift Valley, <laughs> is that Mufasa... The Lion, the Lion King Mufasa is as deep as you go died, when it comes to there. <laughs> Mufasa died there. Is this in Kenya? 
it passes this through place? Kenya, yes. Okay. Tanzania and Kenya. I, mm-hmm. I don't think All I've the ever way even heard of it until now. Yeah. What? No, honestly. You really have not heard of the <laughs> yeah, never, Are so. you kidding me? Oh, I don't think so. Oh, oh man. Goodness. That's, we're going to need to go back I and edit I can't believe this. <laughs> I can't believe this. I thought I was the only ignorant one here. <laughs> <laughs> we are many. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. So last question. Okay. Greatest um, migration in the world, P.S. There you go. Yep. There you go. So last questions. Um, a, a few weeks ago, we were talking about the, the spiritual realm. Uh, particularly in some sermons that we preached, Jeff, uh, myself, and Ezra, I believe we preached about, um, oh, and Greg even, on the, um, the, the passage from Acts 19 with the sons of Siva. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the, so the questions about the, the angels and demons and them existing in this spiritual realm. So is that realm, here's the question, is that realm actually outside of time? Uh, like like how we talk about God being outside of time, or is that realm that way, or or is it just something that exists within time that we can uh, just like we are? Well, you know, I don't. I, the answer is the answer is I don't know. An the Bible doesn't that. actually answer yeah. that question. I I don't know, but I you know I would want to be not careful, but I so so here are some things that I I think we could reason through perhaps. Uh, the the angels aren't timeless beings, right? They had a beginning, mm-hmm. yes. Um, so there, I, I would and 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 I don't just so you know, I our future is held within time. Mm-hmm. The new heavens, and new earth will, will be. I think there will be clocks there. Mm. I do. Now I I don't have any proof because. I, ju- mm-hmm. I just think th- I think there will be clocks there because it's a new heaven and new earth. Now God might decide that there's no more night, so as a result, and that might be a literal statement, and so as a result, there's no there's no time there's in that no sense. Sunset, but no again, sunrise. I don't. I, I, honestly, I don't know. It's a it's a question that uh, that philosophers, I'm sure, have have played around with, but I don't I, I, I don't personally have any. Don't see, right. Come on, philosopher. Yeah, so, Andy, Andy I mean, philosopher. You, where are you, buddy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you would think you would think in uh, the book of Job. So you'll find Satan walking in some corner of heaven, and uh, God meets him. Right. And they have this conversation. So was that particular meeting at a particular time, or did that meeting? Or John talks about of time. Or John talks about how heaven was silent for thirty minutes when yeah. one of the seals was open. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, so I don't know how literally to take some of. Yeah. That kind right. of thing. I mean, I have no reason not to take it that way because it seems to me that the language is that way. I, but at, at the same time, I don't know. I feel like we're grasping at straws here. But, I mean, we because here's my big thing. I, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it for the simple fact of all we know is time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We and how can we comprehend anything other than time? I mean, the for me, the only way I look at it would be God being a timeless being who's not inhibited by time and mm-hmm. sees the end from the beginning and everything in between. He alone would exist in a realm outside of time. Everything else that's uh, created mm. is locked in within a specific now, moment of time, including demons. Now, right. some theologians would would argue that w- is when God created the universe, that He created time, which we we would say that time was created, and that this brings God into time, and now God is forever in time. Yeah, I, that, to, to me, that's a that, that's a challenging thought, especially considering some of what you have in Scripture. 
There's certainly it certainly would seem the, that you have a changing case. God that that is yeah. Well, it's process what we call process theology, but like mm-hmm. I I can't. I struggle to see how there are ways in which God has bound himself to time in some in the incarnation in particular. There's no there's no question that Jesus came into time and that kind of thing. I don't want to remove God from I don't want to remove infinitude from God's from God's character right. though mm-hmm. and say yes. that well he he's somehow he's bound. somehow bound by by that and that part of his creative task was somehow changing his nature. I don't I don't think that's the case. I don't have any scriptures to say so. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so mm-hmm. that would be a, 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 a conclusion that was come to through some some sort of philosophy that I I would love to see someone's work on. Mm. Yeah. When I say I'd love mm-hmm. to, I don't really want to. See it. <laughs> 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 Can you imagine that would be uh, that'd, that'd be, be some, uh, that'd be some dry reading. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, Andy, you love that kind of stuff. You're gonna go to a conference I, next week where they're gonna I probably talk, they're will, gonna talk actually. about that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> abstract objects time yeah give it to me it's all good right well that's it for today anybody have a last word for us uh, last word pulled pork I was just thinking embers <laughs> mm, embers yes. alright have a good week <laughs> <laughs>